Listen, uh, today's uh, message as we get into it, and we've been going through uh, the, uh, the book of Luke. We're just making our way through, and today we're going to talk about Jesus announcing his mission, and uh, it'll be interesting maybe for you to hear what Jesus said his reason for coming was and his purpose here, and, uh, and so we hear his announcement on that. And, um, and also, we're going to learn about who he came for. So we're going to get, you're kind of going to get three things out of this here, uh, why, what Jesus came to do, who Jesus came for, and how Jesus would be received by people. Those three things we're going to hit on today as we go through the passage. So uh, let's go to prayer first. Let's ask for God's help as we get into the Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that uh, you're with us here in this gathering. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who helps us, he illuminates our hearts, helps us understand, uh, he fills us. Lord, uh, thank you for your Spirit who's filling me and uh, help me, God, to, to accurately convey the, the truth here. And uh, Lord, we, we just pray that uh, as we dive into the Scriptures that you would give us not only understanding but application and transformation. And Lord, we also want to lift up uh, any in our church family who are really hurting right now, struggling uh, with battling disease, Lord, we just pray for your healing touch. We pray that they would experience your nearness and know your nearness in their situation. And Lord, we pray that uh, not only you would be their comfort, Lord, but help us to be the hands and feet of Jesus to them in their hour of need. And so, Lord, we also just... Um, Thank you for our salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, that it's by faith that we are saved, faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And Lord, we are just so blessed to, to just know that it's faith alone that saves, faith in the Savior. And so Lord, we commit our time to you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, this first part here, these first couple of verses here, we're going to be in Luke chapter verses 14 to 30, and just to give you a quick kind of review, we, we hit on, we've kind of gone through kind of these birth announcements, you know, Jesus is coming, John the Baptist is coming, and then we've got to John the Baptist coming on the scene, pointing the way to Jesus, and then we have Jesus' baptism we've covered in, in Luke, uh, and, and then also as soon as he's baptized, and comes out of the water, and we, we have the Spirit of God coming upon him. And then it says the Spirit led him into the wilderness. And last week we went over the temptation of Jesus and what that was all about. And here's what it says right after that. It says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. Um, just if, if you want to know, uh, Galilee is just this region in Israel. It's kind of a, it's a, it's an area, okay? And then we're going to hear about Nazareth here in a minute, but that's a specific city, okay? And so it says in verse 15, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So we, we see here, you know, Luke's choice of basically starting off uh, here telling us that Jesus's public ministry has started. The other gospel writers give us um, not contradictory accounts, but complementary accounts. Uh, some of the other gospel writers include his uh, teaching in Capernaum and stuff like that before we get to this. 
but, but he's going around and he's teaching in their synagogues and uh, being glorified by all. So they're praising him for his teaching. And, and then here's where we come to uh, on a particular uh, Sabbath here when they're coming together. Uh, Jesus is going to tell us that he has come to fulfill what was written and to proclaim the gospel. He's like, I'm coming, I've come to fulfill what was written and to proclaim the gospel. And here he starts off, and we'll just read verses 16 to 22, where it says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. So he's back in his hometown. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Okay, now, there, now we're going to get a quotation from the book of Isaiah. And so Jesus is reading from the scroll. There it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? So here we have Jesus, right, going to the synagogue. He's gonna he's gonna read the he read the passage in Isaiah sixty one and one and two, and he has I kind of call this like a mic drop moment because uh, he's like that that's about me. I'm the man. I'm the one. That guy where it was Isaiah was talking about that's me. Right, and then you'd be sitting there saying, "Well, that's just old Billy Bob's son, Joe." Really, he's the one. You know, I mean, this would be like familiarity. They're just, uh, you know, and you and you hear the, um, uh, the you know, the sayings. That, um, of course, Jesus will mention this here. You know, prophet's not welcome in his own town, um, and uh, you know, but it is what it is. They were kind of like, you know, isn't this Joseph's son? Is this, you know? You just wonder what the questions were going on in their minds about all this. Um, and I thought before we kind of take took a look at that passage a little bit deeper, I want you to see actually uh, the Isaiah passage right next to it. So on the right-hand side, you've got Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. On the left-hand side, you've got uh, Luke 4, 18 and 19, where Jesus is quoting that. And I've highlighted, uh, that's kind of a yellow, uh, orangish color, um, every statement on the left that's also in the right. So, um, and then also, uh, well, that's interesting. It, got, it cuts off the bottom part. I actually had Isaiah 58.6 because there's a small little snippet from Isaiah 58.6 that uh, Jesus grabs from there too. Um, so you go, you get the Spirit of the Lord's upon me. Uh, that's there. He has anointed me, right, to, to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives. That's there. To set, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Um, oh, here it is. 
I, couldn't, I can't even read my own writing. Here, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's not, uh, it doesn't stand out like the others, yeah. So Isaiah 58, 6, you'll see that. Let the oppressed go free. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I just want to kind of see that where it's coming from, right? What he's, he, he is saying there. Um, and we're going to look at some of those phrases here in a minute. But, you know, think about this. We, we saw the Spirit of the Lord coming upon him, right? The Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove, it says there in Luke earlier, uh, when, as we've gone through this series. And, and Jesus is saying, you know, I'm the one who's come to basically put this stuff into effect. I am the one. And so a um, couple things I want to look at here. Um, well, well, I guess I don't want to go back here, so I don't. Um, that's a full screen image. I don't want to like just keep people on the on the live stream looking at that. All right, so um, the fulfillment, right? So he he's come to do two things: to fulfill prophecy, right? All these things that were said about the the suffering servant. When you read uh, the prophet Isaiah, you start hitting on this theme that there is a, a suffering servant coming, right? And, you, of course, uh, um, a famous chapter, Isaiah 53, right, talking about, uh, you know, that he would be slain, right, for us, for our sins. And, and, and so this theme is also of a suffering servant goes throughout Isaiah's chapters 40 and 41 and so on. And then you hit this uh, theme of deliverance in Isaiah uh, 61, where uh, there's this deliverer coming. And so you get, this, you get this connection here that the suffering servant is the one who's going to deliver us from our sins and from our oppression and, uh, and so on. And of course, Isaiah was speaking to uh, people who were exiled and taken away from their home, and they were being disciplined by God. Uh, that's, that's why they were exiled and taken away from their home, as they, were, they had departed from God's ways. And, um, and sort of worshiping other gods, among other things. And so he said, as a part of your discipline, you'll be exiled. You'll be taken away from your home. And then God said, there will be a remnant, though. There will be a group of people that will gather back and kind of get back on the path. And so, um, so there is this theme of fulfillment that, you know, Jesus is simply saying to us by quoting this and saying, you know, this is fulfilled in your hearing today when he said that in verse 21. When you go back to that, say this, this today, this is fulfilled in your hearing, right? By saying that, he's simply saying, I'm the fulfillment of that. I'm the promised one, right? So he, I'm the Savior that you've been waiting for all these many years. And so um, what's interesting as we've been going through the book of Luke, we see these pointers uh, and, and, you know, Luke is kind of giving witness to us uh, that, um, and you have to realize that a lot of the gospel writers, they had a particular audience in mind. Luke's audience, particularly a Gentile audience, not a Jewish audience, but particularly a Gentile audience. So, so um, people that were not part of um, the uh, initial group of, that we call the people of God in the Old Testament, right? And so... So here we have uh, this proclamation, and you'll see in a second that Jesus is kind of like, oh, he opens up a can of worms. Right now, everybody's all excited about Jesus, right? There's like, oh, this, we love what you're saying. This is great news. You know, the, the Messiah has come, all this stuff, until he says that 
you know, we're going to include some people that you might not like into that plan. So, so here we have, again, just this, this fact that uh, we have a fulfillment, but what did he come also? He didn't just come to fulfill prophecy. Uh, we have the fact that uh, he, came to, uh, ful- he came to proclaim the good news. And when you look back at that Isaiah uh, passage that he's quoting and you look at the Luke passage that's similar, what does he say? Let me go back to verse 18 for a second here. Right? The Spirit of the Lord has come upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news, right? And he has sent me to proclaim liberty and recovering sight to the blind and, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You get a lot of proclaiming here, don't you? Proclamation, preaching, right? And so Jesus saying, listen, I've come to proclaim something. I've come to preach something. And we know what's wrapped up in that proclamation. Uh, we, we, we call the gospel the good news, right? And the good news that the Savior has come. And, of course, Christ has come to die on the cross, right? To resurrect from the dead, to pay for our sins, all of this. But he's saying, I'm coming to proclaim. I'm coming to proclaim the good news. And I think this is important for us to realize. You know, this is the first time Luke is telling us what Jesus is saying his mission is. Um, that I, he's coming to proclaim a particular message. Now, um, it's interesting that, uh, you know, a lot of people would ask him, well, why did Jesus come? And uh, they would say a lot of kind of, a lot of different reasons. They might say, well, he came to be a, an example. They might say that. Or he was, a, he was a prophet, but not the son of God. Or they might say, well, uh, he came to, to point out that we should uh, to kind of lift up the little guy, to lift up people who are oppressed. And, and there is certainly, uh, I will say this, I mean, there certainly is a social impact that the gospel has, but he's not emphasizing that. Okay, isn't it interesting that when you read down through uh, what he says there, again, that he emphasis is on proclamation, um, but uh, Bible scholars here, did Jesus ever break anybody out of a physical jail? No jail breaking by Jesus, okay? So if he came to set the captives free, and that's literal, he didn't do it, okay? So kind of pointing out here, that there's a figurative emphasis, a spiritual captivity that he's talking about, a spiritual poverty he's talking about. Now, certainly, we have commands in Scripture that tell us as believers that we need to be concerned for the poor. We need to help the poor, right? But he's saying that his primary mission is, is not to you know, lift up the poor or the, uh, the oppressed socially. His mission is to make a proclamation about something that's going to um, not not only have some kind of an impact socially or whatever, but he's saying it's primarily a spiritual thing that I'm talking about. Spiritual freedom, uh, spiritual oppression, right, that you'll be delivered from. And um, now certainly he did heal people, uh, right? He, he healed people that were blind, right? He did recover sight to the blind. And as it says there, uh, he, he uh, in, in verse 18, he sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight of the blind. But isn't there also 
spiritual blindness, right? Don't we know from uh, Paul that there is a, a veil, right, over, uh, in a sense, our, our hearts or our spiritual eyes that we can't even, even see our need unless God lifts it, unless we get attuned to our needs. So uh, I want us to just see that, yes, there's a social impact for the gospel, for sure, but the primary impact is spiritual, this gospel message, right? It saves people. It transforms them. It makes them right with God, right? Um, now, uh, so I, I just want us to make sure we understand this, that, um, you know, that we, under, we, get the, we get the focus, right? That, and I think, too, that we'll see when, when, you look at, when you look at the Gospels, every Gospel has its own version of what we call the Great Commission, right, that Jesus gave the disciples to, to go and make disciples of all the nations, right, um, and, and to teach them all that uh, the Lord taught them, right, and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That commissioning, every gospel has it, every one of the gospels. Uh, and so, as well as Acts, you could, could think of Acts 1.8. Uh, the book of Acts is really like Luke volume 2 because it was written by Luke, right? And so you have uh, all of those things emphasizing that the church's mission is proclamation, right? So I, I'm just trying to make a connection here that you see that the mission of the church has a, a somewhat of a parallel to the mission of Jesus. Now, um, we don't save anybody, right? Uh, we don't fulfill prophecy ourselves, but we have this mission of proclamation. That's what I'm trying to say. And when you look in the book of Acts, if you want to write this down, Acts 14 21 to 23, says this, Acts 14, 21 to 23. So as the church is expanding, as the gospel is going out, listen to this pattern, this kind of pattern that happens all throughout uh, the first century church. It says in verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom. And then it says, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. But I want you to see in verse 21, there's the preaching, there's the proclamation, right? That's what they were doing. They were, were, um, people were responding, disciples were made, followers of Jesus were made, and then they appointed leaders in those churches. They call them elders. Right and over those and so, uh, but we see all throughout, all throughout, um, you know, and even even when you get beyond the Book of Acts and you look at Paul's instructions to Timothy, the young pastor, he basically says, you know, keep to the public reading of the Scriptures, you know, preach the word, preach the word, right? And so uh, we, we have to see that that is our that is our mission, right? We are to we are to make disciples, and we. We got to make sure that we keep the main thing, the main thing, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, proclaiming uh, freedom, in a sense, from sin and, and the shackles that it can create in our lives. Because, and, but Jesus saves us from our sin, from the penalty of sin. So, so we have uh, the job of proclamation. And I, again, I only say this because uh, Jesus is saying his primary purpose here was to make a proclamation of the gospel, and we don't want to make other things the primary thing. We will do other things in the church. We want to help the poor. We, we want to serve our community, right? But the primary thing is proclamation, 
right? And you can do both things, but you got to make sure you get your priorities straight, okay? All right. Now, um, let's move on to the next thing here. So, Jesus came for those who see their spiritual poverty, right? So, who did he come for? He came for those who see their own spiritual po- poverty. This gets us back to verse 18, right? And it says, that, uh, why do we have that? Oh, there it is. Because I wanted verse 18, that's why. Um, I'm really having trouble today. All right, so uh, what does it say? So the Spirit of the Lord's come to me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to who? To the poor, right? Uh, to the poor. Now, again, I kind of talked about this already, just that I don't think this is just talking like some economically poor, right? Uh, Jesus came for the poor, for the rich, uh, for the rural person, for the urban person. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? The question is, do they see their need, right? Do they see their need? And um, when we we go to um, part of the Sermon on the Mount there, right, you get the, the Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, what does he say? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So now we have the qualifier there, in the spirit, right? But some people kind of read that, well, Jesus is really just all about the poor, okay? And certainly he cares for the poor. Jesus was had compassion on many people uh, who were poor. But he's saying here, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, meaning... If, you're, if you want to be made right with God and you want to go to heaven, you want to be forgiven, you have to recognize that you are, you are spiritually impoverished. In other words, you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Right? If you don't know that, if you don't know you're in spiritual poverty, born into this world in spiritual poverty, then, then you are not going to be going to heaven because you don't recognize your need. If you don't recognize your need, you're going to reach out for Jesus. Right? So... Um, so he, he is, he's telling us who he came for. Now, you know, wouldn't it be great if everybody recognized they were spiritually poor? Yes, it would be. But not everybody is going to, right? Uh, some people will say, well, I'd rather do it my way. Um, and, uh, and that has its own penalty, right? So now it's interesting here. Uh, I, I think for us... Um, we need to maybe ask God to make us aware of those who are open to the proclamation of the gospel, right? Think about um, where you live, where you work, where you, if you have hobbies, where you do those, you know, um, or, or think about the family God has placed you in, right? And this asking God to, to make you see or, or step out and see who is spiritually sensitive who is who is spiritually sensitive who might be open to the proclamation of the gospel right in fact uh, we have uh, Jesus when he sent out the the 12 and he sent them out two by two in mark chapter 6 verse 7 to 13 here's what happens so Jesus is going to send out the disciples he says we're going to you're going to have this uh, we'll call it a ministry experience we're going to set you out on this practicum Okay, and here's what it is. Here's what he says, Mark chapter 6, 7 to 13. And he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two, 
gave them authority over the unclean spirits, and he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on the feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So they were on a message of proclamation. Yes, they did some deeds. They, they, they prayed for people. They, you know, God used them to heal people. Uh, wonderful things, but they were on this uh, proclamation tour, okay? And what they were doing was they were going to these houses and they were looking to see, you know, if, if um, what some people call a person of peace lives there, someone that's open to the gospel message, right? And if there was, they would spend some time there. We don't know what they did. Presumably, they told them all about the Lord Jesus and what he has come to do and so on and about the kingdom of God and the things that Jesus had taught them. Um, but, but then he said, you know, if, if, if they reject you, then shake, your dust off, shake the dust off your sandals and move on, right? Now, does that mean that that person will forever be uh, resistant or antagonistic towards the gospel? Not necessarily, right? Uh, I could think of times when I was not uh, receptive to the gospel, uh, and then at a later time I was, okay? But I think the thing is, is when the thing is, when you think about, um, you know, you don't have unlimited time, do you? You know, you wish you did, maybe, um, but, but we don't. We've got to work. We've got to eat. We've got to prepare meals. We've got to take care of kids. We've got whatever, whatever. I mean, that stuff just fills up a lot of your day. So I think God wants us to be wise with our time. And, um, and what we need to do is pray about um, that the Holy Spirit would guide us to people that are receptive, right? And you don't want to spend all your time on people that aren't. Doesn't mean you give up on them. Keep praying for them. Maybe, the, maybe there'll be another opportunity. But you just, you, got, you have limited time, and you want to make the most of, it, of your opportunities that you do have. And so I think just for us, an application here, uh, of Jesus saying he's, he's been sent to people that are, are, are recognize their spiritual poverty. Well, we are too. We're looking for people that are going to respond to the message, and we don't know who they are. Unless somebody's invented one, we don't have really a spiritual x-ray machine to see the condition of someone's heart. Right? I had an echocardiogram the other day. They were kind of looking at my heart. Right? It's very interesting. Uh, second one I've had, everything's okay, as far as I know. Um, <laughs> they were doing a comparison. But it's kind of, it's really amazing, though, that the, every, you know, as I'm laying on my side, and I'm very, I just ask all kinds of questions, because what am I going to do, just lay there silently? Not me. Okay, that's not happening. Okay, but this lady was, I, I was so blessed to have this lady that just tell me everything, right? Just tell me everything that I'm seeing. Uh, you know, everything with the Doppler, and you see where the blood's flowing and all this stuff. But you could, you're, they're looking at the condition of my heart. They're looking to see if something's, you know, if everything's okay. And um, we don't have that. I mean, I suppose you could say the Holy Spirit is that, but I haven't, I haven't had an experience where the Holy Spirit said, you know, you know, ahead of time, this person is open. 
I don't think we want to, you know, because if we're honest, we're, we tend to be biased. We like to reach people like us, <laughs> if we're honest. And that's just not, we got to get past that. Okay? We, we got to be, we got to be open and, and willing that Jesus came for, uh, you know, we don't know who's going to be uh, in a situation where they recognize their spiritual poverty. So we can pray for guidance. Right? Pray for the Lord to help you to know how to best spend your time with people as you're reaching out. Again, it's not like we were saying you don't, you, don't, you don't love some people, you love others. No, that's not what we're talking about. You know? We're just talking about how you spend your time. Ask God to help you see who's spiritually open. And then you know, get to share spiritual things with them. See what their interest level is. See if they, if they want to even read the Bible with you. Right? I mean, I can think of a better thing than get people in the Word of God and let it have its effect. <laughs> right? Uh, so, anyway, I just wanted us to see here in, in that thing that Jesus is saying he came for those who, are, who, who, are, who see their own spiritual poverty. Remember when Jesus, and I'm going to butcher the quote, but he, he said something like, um, I, didn't, uh, I didn't come for the people who are well, I came for the sick, right? And he's really talking spiritually there. He's really saying, I came for those with spiritual poverty, right? And, um, you know, and, and unfortunately... His own people, the Jews, were, once they realized what he was about, many of them rejected him, as we'll see later in the passage. Right? Um, so, uh, okay, so, so we've got Jesus here. Uh, he, he came for those who are, uh, see their own spiritual poverty. That's who we need to be looking for. That's who we need to see that we ourselves are. If you have not acknowledged before God your need for the Savior, that should be like your number one pursuit really diving in to see who Jesus is, really finding out who he said he was. Don't go to third-party sources. Just read the Bible and ask God to show you. Read along with someone, if you wish, some other, someone you know who's a believer. But that should be your priority, right? Don't let that stone go unturned, like who is Jesus. Don't form your opinions of him based on um, movies and other books, but base it upon uh, what Jesus said about himself. Now, last thing I want to say here this morning is just what Jesus was mentioning here, that we're going to see that Jesus was misunderstood and rejected by many. So Jesus, remember, what's happened here? Jesus got up, read from the scroll, said, I'm the guy, I'm the Messiah, I've, I'm fulfilling this, um, and this is what I've come to do. i come to make a proclamation to people who see their spiritual need, okay? And... Um, and so he, he has said that, right? And, and then here's what happens. And he said to them, well, remember what they said before this, um, right? Is, is this Joseph's son, right? Is, is this, you know, from our hometown here? And, and he said to them, doubtless you will quote me this proverb, a physician, heal, thy, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. Now, remember how I said that Luke has not included some outreach that Jesus did in Capernaum, but other gospel writers did. doesn't mean there's a contradiction here. It just means the complementary accounts. He just decided not to include that. But these, these people back in Jesus' hometown have heard of the things he's been doing, right, and that they've been healing. And so we go on in verse 24, and he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, 
There were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Now, what does he say? He's like he's basically saying, you know, there were there were a lot of widows during that famine time, famine time in Israel, and God did not send Elijah to them. He sent him to an unbeliever. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them was cleansed, but, but only Naaman, the Syrian. Again, he's like, there were many people who were lepers. But, he, but what we're chosen to see is that Elisha, God used Elisha to heal this unbeliever. When they heard these things, all all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. They weren't singing his praises now. They weren't singing his praises now. Jesus has opened up a whole can of worms. Now we're letting anybody in the church. Okay? Now we're letting anybody, you know. Yeah, exactly. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill, which was at which their town was built, so they could throw him down the cliff. I mean, man, this is just, they turned on a dime. Isn't that crazy? Singing his praises one minute, going to throw him off the cliff the next. Here it says, but passing through their midst, he went away. You know, I don't. I don't know what that is, but it sounds like, you know, some Star Trek stuff going on. I don't know. I I don't know. It just said he was able to, you know, we don't know if he cloaked. You know, we have no idea. Yeah, I mean, it's just, but he he slipped through the crowd. I mean, you got, we get this image of just a a vast crowd here, and they're ready to throw him off the cliff, you know, and he passed through their midst, and he went away. Wow. Um, Just amazing here. I, I think what we need to see is that, you know, I think there's a little bit of foretelling here going on in Luke. Luke's kind of telling us through this whole situation what's to come, what is going to come, right? Um, the Gentile people are going to be allowed in to God's, you know, will be a part of God, is part, they're part of God's plan for salvation, right? That's why they're so upset, right? They're so upset. They couldn't believe that, they, you know. That you could actually be a part of God's people, but not be Jewish, right? And so, um, he was misunderstood and rejected by many. Now, guess what? Um, we're probably going to get some of the same. We're we're going to be rejected. We will be misunderstood. Okay, um, even if we're just I mean telling everything just you know with truth and love. Some people are not going to like, do not like to hear um, the truth um, told to them. And so, think about this, John 15, 20. John 15, 20, Jesus says, Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, uh, they will also keep, um, keep yours. And so, we got to realize, you know, if Jesus was persecuted, Jesus was rejected, we will sometimes be 
persecuted and rejected as well for our faith, for proclaiming the message, the very message that Jesus came to proclaim as well. That's going to happen. And we just kind of have to, you know, it's, uh, it's never fun for people to reject you. Most of us, myself included, we like people to like us. Nobody usually likes to be, you know, is just in love with the idea of being rejected and hated. Um, But uh, it's going to happen. Let's just make sure it's for the right reasons, right? Let's let's make sure people don't like us and 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 that they hate us. For let's make sure that it's for the right reasons, right? For for actual truth, Um, for standing for the truth, uh, and in a loving way, right? So. now, questions for you. Just thinking about application here. Um, are you willing to reach out to people not like you for the sake of the gospel? Right? Are, are you willing to reach out to people not like you for the sake of the gospel? I, I would say one thing that's been good for me um, teaching at Columbus State Community College is I'm around a lot of people that are not like me, okay, that are from different countries, different ethnicities, and that's been good for me because I get a chance to, to um, you know, just, just to get exposed to that and to, to love people who are not like me. And so, um, and to look for opportunities there as well. And, but I think the thing is, it's just you got to realize that a lot of times um, you kind of have to pray about, do you have any built-in biases towards other people? Um, things that you might say, well, you know, no, I'm not racist, you know, or I'm not this or that, I'm not that. But sometimes there's just, it's, uh, we grew up with it and maybe don't even notice that, okay? No, I, no I'm, not, I'm not saying that, you know, every person's a racist. I'm not saying that, okay? But I'm simply saying, you know, ask God uh, to help you be a lover of all people regardless of their background, regardless of their economic status, right? Try not to form your opinions of that person ahead of time. I've, I've battled that sometimes, just to be honest, in the classroom. I'll have a pre-formulated idea just about a kind of student, not even like what they look like. Like, oh, like, oh, you're one of these. You know, and then I'll have a category in my mind. You're, you're just going to be after me all the time, and you're not going to do your homework, and you're blah, 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 blah. Well, and little do I know... There's a story there, right? And I've got an opportunity to love. I've got an opportunity to not be so quick to judge. It doesn't mean I still, I still uh, don't hold people to standards that we have in my classes um, that the syllabus says, but, 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 but you know, every teacher, has some, every teacher has some subjectivity in how they can do some. Do some. some things are flexible, right? And uh, there are some people I give that flexibility to and some people I don't. depends on the situation. Every teacher does it, okay? Um, and so I, I, all I'm telling you is that um, uh, I, I don't exclude myself from this question, right? Will you reach out to people who are not like you for the sake of the gospel? Right? And you think about that. Think about the people that live around you. Think about the people that you, you, you see and you work with and so on. Now, maybe you live and work and around people that are exactly or mostly like you all the time. I don't know, and that's, that's okay. You know, that, that, that's okay. Um, the other thing I want to um, ask is, are you too worried about people rejecting the good news you have to share with them? 
Are you too worried about being rejected? Uh, will you, it really comes down to, will you love people enough to tell them about Jesus? It really is a love issue, okay? It really is a love issue, okay? And, and I don't, I, I'm not one of these people that I think that every encounter that I have with somebody, do I have to give them the four laws of the gospel, right? No. Gospel conversations, right? Especially with people that, you know, you're going to be around on a regular basis, right? It could be little things just to, just to see if there's some spiritual interest there. But, but, you know, eventually you've got to cross the line. Eventually, you've got to get to the gospel, man. How many years will go by and we not share the gospel with somebody? Is that really love? That's the question. Right? Is that really love? At some point, and again, it doesn't mean that you stop loving somebody or being friends with somebody even if they reject Jesus, right? You still love. We still serve. People, it's not like there's a bait and switch, saying, okay, well, you, you rejected it. I'm on with my life, you know. That's, that shouldn't happen. Um, but, but I think that there's, some, there's some, something for us here. I mean, certainly this passage is all about Jesus. But I do believe uh, there's stuff there for the church saying, what is the mission? Our mission is proclamation. Yes, it has implications on our society. Yes, it has implications where we live. If my, if my life and your life is transformed, become more Christ-like, that's going to have an impact on the people around us. That's going to ha- that's, there's going to be love shown there. There's going to be service shown there. And there will be truth shared there. Okay? It is going to have a transforming effect. But we're, pro- we're supposed to be proclaiming. And then we realize here that in this last instance that, you know, there's no escaping it. If we're really living for the Lord and we're out there uh, living by faith, rubbing shoulders with people, and we don't know where they are spiritually, we, we need to bring up some gospel conversations. You know, here's, here's one for you, real simple one. A lot of times when you go into work, um, unless you work for the church, right, and they'll say, well, what did you, <laughs> what did you do this weekend? Isn't that a common question? You do anything this weekend? Or you could ask them, what'd you do this weekend? Do anything fun? A lot of times, it'll turn right back on. What'd you do? Oh, I went to church. I go to church over here. Or, this, or I learned. You pick something you learned, uh, you know, and just share it. You know, it's not like you're preaching at them. You're just saying, this is what, this is what happened. I, I enjoyed it, you know. And so it doesn't mean you have to have a full-on hour conversation about church and Jesus. It just means that you're, you're kind of just throwing that out there. You're just trying to see, see what God's doing. It's just being real. You just, you know, that's what people talk about what they did. I mean, you know, maybe you played paintball too or airsoft. That's fine. Tell them that too. But hey, you know, tell them about your spiritual life as well. All right. Let's go ahead and pray together. Let's land the plane, eh? All right, Lord, we just thank you so much for um, this opportunity to gather together. We thank you so much for um, just the, the mission that we have of proclamation. It's actually quite freeing uh, to realize that it's not up to us to save anybody. It is up to us to love people, and part of that loving is sharing the truth about who Jesus is, sharing, sharing the gospel, share how Jesus has changed our lives and is changing our lives. Lord, help us to make the most of every opportunity. Help us, Lord, to see any uh, biases we might have against people. Help us to... Um, you know, just remember the reaction of the crowd, how they turned on Jesus 
are talking about um, God working in ways and people that were not like them. Lord, just help us to be moldable. Give us uh, humble hearts towards those that we're around. And Father, help us to not be uh, so in love with the idea of everybody, everybody liking us. Um, but Lord, just uh, let it be for the right reasons. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.